Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here on the Monday edition of Hot Mile with Henry Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us if you're streaming the show live or listening to this great radio partner. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Our thanks to Bobby Carpenter and Dr. David Chow for joining us in hour number one. Chad, we've got a little coaching news in the Big Ten that doesn't involve uh, Jim Harbaugh. It's from Nicole Arbach, who has the report uh, statement from Iowa, the long Iowa nightmare on offense is coming to its conclusion. Brian Ferentz out as offensive coordinator at Iowa at the end of the season. This is a statement from, I think it's pronounced Beth Getz, who is the athletic director at Iowa. Um, I asked Maddie Ice, Iowa fan in here. He didn't even know how to pronounce it. Wow. So that's a strike on Maddie. Um, and quote, anyone who loves Iowa football recognizes both the success and challenges that have brought attention to our program this season. Our struggles on offense, coupled with the offensive coordinator's contract, make this a unique situation. After conversations with head coach Kirk Ferentz, coach Brian Ferentz, and President Wilson, I informed Brian that our intention is for him to be with us through the bowl game, but this is his last season with the program. Making this known today is the best interest of the program and its loyal fans. It provides clarity during this pivotal time in the schedule. Uh, Beth Getz goes on to say, it is not my practice to be involved in assistant coaching decisions and certainly not to make public such a change during a season. Our priority is to put all our student athletes in the best position to have both short-term and long-term success on and off the field. Our football team has a group of outstanding young men and talented athletes who at six and two have a lot to play for. As a former athlete, I know every opportunity to put on the jersey is a cherished one. Uh, didn't go on to explain why. It is not my practice to be involved in assistant coaching decisions and certainly not to make them public, but here I am doing so, is what she said, without saying, and here's why I did it. Um, but she has decided the, to basically get in between Kirk Ferentz and his son and announce to both of them that this is Brian's last year with Iowa football, to which Iowa fans everywhere, I'm sure, are thrilled when they have to watch that offense week in and week out. Um, the question now, Hutton, is what direction do they go? I don't think you can get totally away from your bread and butter at Iowa, which is strong offensive line, good run-based offense with great tight end play. But you got to be a little bit more diverse in your offensive approach. Um, it can't be slow it down, snap it with one second on the play clock, and just smash mouth it to death. You've got to be versatile in some way offensively. But I also don't think you know you go hire someone from the air raid to come into Iowa. You can't go completely against identity and character, but you got to do something better. So help me with the, so this is all about, to me, perception and optics, this announcement. So he's out at the end of the year, right? Yep. After the bowl game. Uh, as play caller. As offensive coordinator. I mean, he's, out, he's um, done with the program. If it's that bad, you're not having someone else call plays now? 
It's a good question. So, I mean, so maybe, here's, maybe here's they optics, will. Here's optics, and again, I'm just spitballing here, initial reaction. Kirk Ferentz is out at the end of the year, and they're, he's stepping down, and they don't want it to be about his son. Should I not take it that way? And this, this uh, by announcing this now, it's more about Kirk Ferentz at the end instead of the offense sucked and this was the ultimatum and he didn't average 25 a game. And, I, so, I don't, and so you brought him back and both of you are gone. It's, it's interesting. I don't think... They're handling it the right way is what I mean. I don't think that Kirk Ferentz is out unless he's retiring. That's what, I, that's what I'm at alluding the end of the year? to, though. Yeah. And then, uh, I why, just don't know, else, but if, if you knew that, then why, why wouldn't you him, just... But if you're, if you're, if you're announcing the... Uh, I've, have we heard this? That the OC's out at the end of the year, but you're finishing the season? That, that to me, makes no sense. Uh, well, the only way it makes sense is they're having a hard time in recruiting because of this. and Because she mentions the need for clarity moving forward for both their student athletes and, and who they're going to have moving forward. So maybe it's just uh, we're tired. I see it as this. We're tired of being a punchline. We're tired of everyone doing the math on 25 points per game or more every week. And to eliminate that challenge of what's been a difficult season for the offense, while also acknowledging we're tied for the Big Ten West lead at 6-2 and two right now, let's go ahead and just announce this is it. There's no more speculation about it. No one's adding up the points per game. No one's trying to get to some elusive number that Iowa's offense is never going to get to if they play three seasons when you look at the way they play offense right now, while also saying there's plenty left to play for, including a Big Ten West championship and a spot in the Big Ten championship game. That, to me, makes the most sense. It's interesting you bring up if Kirk Ferentz doesn't have a say in this or is this Kirk Ferentz out? Or him and his son looking at each other like, man, this is really uncomfortable. I'm just basing off of Kirk. Maybe the AD can just come in and break the tie for us and just announce you're not coming back. I, I don't know. Well, but so if they're, if he's out, let's just say he retires, okay? Some of the headlines are about the 25 points per game at that point. Yeah. And the decision to bring back, you know, uh, Brian as the OC. And now that's behind you a month from now. If, if in fact that's the path you're going to, I'm just saying from the optics and perception, it, it's different, you know, for, for a guy that's, uh, you know, Mr. Hawkeye. So I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why, if he's so bad that you put an ultimatum out there that if you don't average 25, you're not returning and you're, no, you're not doing it, but you're keeping him on for a team that has a chance to play for the Big Ten title. Well, that, that I, makes no sense to me. I why, mean, why he holds what, the playbook and the, and the play call. Well, there's no one else on staff that's better is what they're announcing. But how do they know that? I mean, even <laughs> the, on a bad offense. If, I the mean, head if coach is saying that, I guess. I, I, I don't. I, they're, what they're saying, Hutton, is we suck on offense. No play caller this year is going to change that. We can't change what we are on offense. We can't change everything we're doing. If we're going to get to the Big Ten Championship, it's on defense okay. and special teams alone. And they're doing that. So we're just going to keep playing this thing out and try to win games the okay. way they've won games this so year. That's a, now, now we're on to the second option because I haven't thought about this to you. Because I, I think the options blow up the entire offensive side of the ball. So, right? so or, or and bring this in is, a new offensive staff. Or, or this is, okay, Kirk Ferentz said we're doing this, so here's the 25-point-per-game rule or whatever. And it's not going well. What's he still doing calling plays? Well, Kirk Ferentz isn't going to remove him until after the end of the year. And we're not going to go down this path again. So you announce it now. And Ferentz still keeps Brian on as the OC and 
it's one of the two. And there's already been some speculation about if he, if it, uh, the new rules of college football and college basketball and just the landscape, they've, it, it has been able to send some really good coaches into other aspects of right. what they no, want th- to this do. May be Maybe the, Kirk the Ferentz, he could be not just this, but you know, he, 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 Kirk Ferentz had, um, I believe Chad, he's one of the ones that had commented on conference expansion and, and he takes the you know the pageantry out and what it was yeah. versus what it's becoming. A let, lot of coaches me, feel that way. Let me read a couple parts of this just clearly again, and and you, we can take away. Sure. Let's let's dissect Beth Getz and what she's saying here in this official statement from from Iowa. I informed Brian that our intention is for him to be with us through the bowl game, but this is his last season with the program, not demotion. Last season with the program, he's gone. He's not going to tight ends coach or quarterback coach or anything. He's gone. Making this known today is in the best interest of the program and its loyal fans. It provides clarity during this pivotal time in the schedule. Okay? This is the next big part that fascinates me. It is not my practice to be involved in assistant coaching decisions and certainly not to make public such a change during a season. And then it just goes on to say, but our priority is to our student-athletes. So it's not my practice, but this is an extraordinary circumstance because we are playing offense from 1918, and I have to intervene and tell the head coach that his son is gone at the end of the year, and let's stop speculating. Let me stop getting emails from boosters and fans about it, and let people stop doing the math and just say, this is it. Whatever happens the rest of the way, great. But we're moving forward at the end of the year. I, I'm thinking that's what it is, but you may be onto something point, with Kirk Ferentz maybe what, out too. What, what, what got me going on the path of what, what, what does Kirk Ferentz want to do? Brian, his son, is going to be the OC through the bowl game. Yeah. That, that's why I'm saying, like, is something going to be announced by Kirk Ferentz prior to the bowl game? And that's the, that's the game. That's the final game. I don't know. You're saying Brian Ferentz, uh, interim Head coach? No, for no, the no, ball no, game no, 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 no. I'm not saying Kirk Ferentz is going to resign or get fired. I'm saying he would retire. Yeah, and that that the that would be the retirement bowl game, the final game at Iowa. I just again, I'm spe- that's just me spitballing. Like I, I'm I don't, having a beer with you. Yeah, no, it's it's I I like the speculation. I, I will say it doesn't. I don't buy it because I think if you are, this is just me talking now. If yeah. I'm Kirk Ferentz, and I've been somewhere since 1999, I think is when he took over as head coach at Iowa, I've been somewhere that long. I'm an institution in a program. I'm probably having a farewell season. I'm not just going to announce at the end while my son is being announced by the AD that he's out at the I just do it all at once and say, hey, guys, it's my last year. My contract's up, or I'm going to have a farewell season here and, and do it that way. This would seem like a weird way to go out it, well, if you're Kirk Ferentz. It's a weird announcement, Which though. makes me think he's coming back. It's a weird announcement, though, because you keep it quiet. Even if you've told, if you've informed the OC he's not returning, uh, you don't announce that. Well, also... If, if it's behind it's, the scenes, keep it behind the scenes. It's, it, it, this is an official statement. <laughs> Just strange. It's the, it's, the, it's the fact that she made the statement. Right. It's the head football coach in charge of the staff, not the AD. She even says it's not my practice to get involved with staff decisions like this. But I'm making the call right now and telling everyone he's done at the end of the year. Well, who put in the 25-point clause? I can't here, – here's where I'm at. I don't know if know. Kirk Ferentz appreciates that from her <laughs> because now it lets him off the hook with his son. 
that he doesn't have to fire him and make this call, or if he hates it, because now here's my AD coming in and saying, your son sucks. He's done. I'm making the call right now. And called both of them in the office to tell them that. I honestly don't know. I know. I don't know where they where they stand on this because he's not even going to get a chance oh, to. Oh, Davey the said that they'd have to average 34 a game to reach that 25-point mark on the season the rest of the way, which will not happen. And, and Beth, this is also the interim athletic director making a statement. Keep that in mind. Not just the AD. I think this is just a formality because there's more to this story and the son wants to be around the father. I don't know. Uh, because the 25-point thing is overshadowing be, I, what season they're having. I think they just know that he's out, and I think that it's an awkward situation, and they decided to go ahead and tell the world and Iowa people that, hey, don't worry about it. We're moving in a different yeah. direction at the end of the year. And he's such an Iowa guy through and through Yes, that he's okay with that being announced and, and moving forward. Maybe that's the case. Over, under, Iowa, Northwestern is what I was looking for. Okay. I, I heard that it so is. It was. What was the, what was the spread uh, earlier uh, two weeks ago? It was 31 and a half, 32 and a half, yeah, and it went well under. This one's 30 and a half opening. I'd take the under. I don't think. <laughs> I, I need to look this up. Dave, we can probably find this. I don't think there's ever been since we've kept record of over-under. That's the lowest because the, the – A point spread in the 20s. I mean, an over-under oh, in the 20s. No, no, it's there hasn't been because the previous record for lowest over-under was the one that they just uh, had two weeks ago. Yeah. Or they, opening, opening over-under, I'm saying. They had that one, and then I think two years ago, they also – 31 and a half or something. Iowa-Kentucky Bowl game, Music City Bowl, was the other lowest it had ever been, and then they've topped that twice this year. That's when lowest. I think uh, Kentucky started a linebacker at quarterback, one of the Wade twins. Oh, played quarterback right, yeah. in that game because Will Levis set out. 21 nothing. the final score. It hit the under. <laughs> well, that game, uh, the 31 and a half hit the under yeah, by oh, like well five, under. six or seven points, right? Yes, yes. Let's do it. Come on. Let's bet that thing down. If enough people hit the under, Hutton, we can set a record here. We can make history, and that'll push that line down into the 20s for the first time ever. Chad, uh, NFL trade deadline uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, 24 hours from now. Buying and selling. There's going to be a lot of debate now which teams are in the market versus sticking where they are with the roster they have, or they're selling the roster based on injuries. I don't know if there's enough buyers to make it a market worth selling. Because I, if you had asked me last week, is Derrick Henry available? Yes. If you're going to get the right return. And I don't see a lot of teams that are, would be considered buyers right now with a ton of draft picks willing to make a move necessary. There, I mean, Dallas right now has four draft picks based on what I was reading. That's not enough to go make a move if you need to make a move. Point being, do you think we'll see a lot of action? Or do you think we see uh, some teams that have been discussing things, but the offers weren't there? I think there's been a lot of chatter. I do. Teams want to make trades. I just don't know if there's enough capital to make the trades even from both team side perspective. I think it's going to be a big old dud. I really do. I think, I think that's where we're headed. I think the Titans winning yesterday kind of threw a wrench in, it, in everything. Because now they're three and four, and you're looking at a quarterback who had uh, the best quarterback rating I've seen from a Titans quarterback in years yeah. in his first game. And you're thinking, well, maybe this guy's the real deal. Let's at least ride it out for a while and see what we have here. 
Um, I, I, I think that hurts it. I just don't. And like you said, there's just not the right trade partners on either side, either with a mix of draft picks to offer current players and the ones that are available. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is a good example. How, how long is he out with the ankle? Exactly. Is he ever going to be a hundred percent this year? I mean, if I'm the Vikings and I'm looking at it going, he's going to be a hundred percent in a week. I make that move of guys available because you've got a chance to playoffs in that division. And if you can get Ryan Tannehill up to speed, I think he's going to help you get there, but no one really knows his health moving forward with the ankle injury. So I, I think it's going to be a big dud tomorrow at the trade deadline. Yeah, we're, let's dive into the Vikings' decision uh, with what they do moving forward. We'll do that later in the show because now at 4-4 four and four and losing Cousins, do they try to make a move? Or do they – they already know Cousins wasn't coming back after this year. It was an expiring contract. Do they go after a rookie? And try to do it that way on a on a more affordable contract versus the big money they're gonna be paying to Justin Jefferson, Hawkinson, and defenders that they still need to add. Coming up, well, we've got alphas and betas, and we discuss what a Steelers wide receiver had to say. What's up everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Six the pea bite our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. We've got college football overreaction to uh, what was a another fun and upset filled weekend. It's plenty to overreact to this weekend. It's yes. a good overreaction college football Saturday <laughs> we had. No doubt, man. No doubt, and uh, plenty to. Uh, well, at least we think we have some clarity off of what was Week Eight in the NFL. Um. Deontay Johnson says there's clarity with him that the refs were in it for Jacksonville. He's willing to go further than any coach has ever gone at a podium. Most coaches, Chad, they just stand at a podium and ask about officials or of certain calls and just be like, hey, uh, not allowed to comment on that. You have to ask the NFL for clarity. No, uh, just go to Deontay Johnson. Uh, <laughs> he was ready for an answer. Oh, man. It was just, it, you know, apologizing on Monday is just not good enough for anybody. But Johnson said, I didn't like the refs today. They must have gotten paid good today. 
The referees cost us the game. They wanted them to win. Talking about Jacksonville. And the reaction, but you can see guys in the background of the interview at the locker. They're just like, wow. Like raising eyebrows, shaking heads, kind of smirking, maybe uh, half laughing, half like, man, does this guy know the fine that's about to come his way or what he's alleging? Uh, Johnson is just saying straight up that the ref should be fined by the league. Or uh, it's obvious to him that they wanted one team to win and one team not to win. One team did. Jacksonville wins uh, against Pittsburgh, who now turn around and play on a short week against Tennessee on Thursday night at Heinz Field. I would always prefer to hear the honest response on officiating as opposed to someone just flat out lying about it. We've seen others take the complete silence approach. Josh Heupel at Tennessee two weeks in a row has just decided to go silent for 20, 30 seconds when someone asks about officiating to try to make his point without getting fined. Um, I just prefer to just go ahead and say it like Deontay Johnson did. It was terrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tomlin's just ripping into uh, refs during the game. There was an offside penalty that wiped off on a field goal attempt that wiped off a, a field goal for Pittsburgh. It was a 55-yarder at the, at the end of the half. Um, bad. And he, it, the, the lineman who was uh, apparently offside, I say apparently when you see it, it's awful. Uh, the quote from uh, Isaac Ciamalo, Obviously, the referee saw something different. I'm sure in a couple of days, we'll get a nice little apology. That will warm my heart. <laughs> that is the one. Would you rather get the apology or rather get silence? I would at least rather someone acknowledge that I'm not crazy on a call, right? I'd, I'd prefer that. It doesn't change the outcome of the game. doesn't change the opportunity lost in that moment. But I'd still rather get some sort of response other than um, – Complete silence, right? There's nothing you can do about it in hindsight, but just the acknowledgement that I'm not insane when I say this was an awful call. I'd rather get something back. Chad, let's, uh, we're not going silent on alphas and betas of the weekend. No. And um, Kansas, not silent with what was a fantastic game, first and foremost. And the upset win against Oklahoma at home, uh, knocking off the previously unbeaten Sooners. Uh, we start with, Lance Leipold. Lance Leipold inherited a program at Kansas that from 2010 to 2021 never won more than three games in a season. I mean, we have the dregs of Power 5 programs, and then you have Kansas, who was at a different level than everyone else. They were far and away the worst. If there was ever relegation away from Power 5 football, from 2010 to 2021, Kansas would have been relegated to the OVC. And instead, Lance Leipold comes in, and there's something about that win that doesn't even feel that crazy with what he's been able to accomplish at Kansas. And it's with a backup quarterback. Jalen Daniels out right now. And then Jason Beam comes in, has a few huge plays in that game. Lance Leipold can coach football. He is a brilliant, and his staff, brilliant offensive play callers. Super impressed with Kansas. And Hutton, one of the things you love to see about college football, that game ends, the goalposts come down, and just the joyous fury of a bunch of college kids running the goalposts to that lake on campus. Uh, I'd say lake. 30-man march or whatever they're calling it. It's a pond. Yeah, where they just march it straight into the water. Terrific. Love that scene at uh, Kansas. Great 
comments and, and statement by Leipold too. You know what? It's probably time for me to start talking about how proud I am of how far this program's come. It really has in a short amount of time. That's to do with the players, especially the ones that stuck around that believe in the direction to our staff, support staff administration, all those things that allow you to try to make progress like we have. At this moment, so proud of them and happy for them. We ask a lot. It's not easy. But under the stage and everything today and the weather included, it's a big win. And it is. I mean, they've, they've now knocked off, a, what, a top 10 opponent for the first time since 84. Back-to-back -back, uh, seasons of bowl eligibility. But, so what, 6-2? and 6-2. And, and, and his name's going to continue to get circulated. And here's, here he is building something to Kansas. And in this... With the rules set up the way they are, any program can gain momentum now. Yeah. And, and, and during, what was the 2010 to 2021? 2010 to 2021, they never won more than three games in a single season. It was front office sports or someone from last year that I was stunned by. During that kind of same time frame, maybe off by a year or two, Kansas football was more profitable than Kansas basketball. Yeah. That's Football is still the moneymaker. Nuts. There, there was a photo that Fox was showing that we can't show you on this show. Right. But post-game of 1984, when Kansas knocked off Oklahoma, the last time Hutton, they beat a top-10 opponent. And some of the hairstyles in this photo, it's just fans, random fans on the field on a, I'm talking old-school AstroTurf field that it gave me strawberries on my elbows and knees just looking at this field. It looked like it was put down on a slab of concrete. And in the end zone, which Kansas still doesn't have a lot going on in one of those end zones, no stands or much of anything. I mean, there was nothing. There was no field house. There were just trees in one end zone with one little mini 1984 jumbotron that just said Hawks win on the back of it. And it's like 30 fans celebrating as Kansas fans and Kansas players are celebrating beating Oklahoma in 1984. It Hang the photo in the Louvre. I'm looking yeah. at it thinking it looks like <laughs> it looks like a high school field of today. Like the shot of it with just that one little sign. It looked like the local bank sponsored the sign with the old school graphics on it that said Hawks win. It, it's an amazing photo. Amazing season so far for AJ Brown. Best receiver in the league, man, with what he's doing, Chad. Uh, he's setting records for not just the Eagles, but what we're seeing uh, across the entire National Football League. He's on Calvin Johnson's pace for uh, his all-time record for most yardage in a season. So is Tyreek Hill, by the way. But week in and week out, even when it's been slow out of the gate to start this year for Philadelphia, A.J. Brown has been the alpha on the field, and that's after he's been paid. There was speculation that he wouldn't need to be the same guy. He's been better. He's not the same guy. He's been better. Six straight game with 125 yards. That breaks the previous longevity record there of uh, Calvin Johnson in 2012. Sort of the anti Deshaun Watson in terms of getting go. the bag and then continuing to play and play very well and even being better, better. Th than before. Uh, A.J. Brown, just in that catch. Uh, and uh, it's one that it sent social media ablaze. Man. I'm not watching the game live, but immediately go and look up that catch in the end zone, one-handed, and the angle he was at when he caught it, terrific. A.J. Brown is a bad man. He is one of those guys that he is a wide receiver, but we saw it here in Nashville, plays the game like a middle linebacker with his physicality and the way he attacks the football. Love watching him play. What an addition for the Eagles. And suddenly now with the 49ers, three straight losses, I'm looking at the Eagles and thinking, who's going to catch them 
in the NFC right now, to me, clearly the favorite, the way they're playing. And if they can continue to improve offensively, look out. Chad, Will Levis, Alpha yesterday in his NFL debut, setting NFL records and uh, doing so for a franchise that is desperate for the future of the franchise. And he's been the third string. He overtook Malik Willis' spot, not just as backup, but now he's taking Tannehill's spot as the starter. Uh, short week now on Thursday Night Football in Pittsburgh, where, I mean, again, the NFL comes at you fast. But yesterday, alpha. And we saw 2021 version Will Levis in this game when he was playing underneath Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator. NFL style uh, coming, coming from the Los Angeles Rams. And he was locked in, locked in for the last two weeks he's been doing that, knowing that he had a chance to be the starter and take over. And he did more than take over. Uh, he was dominant. And the arm strength is apparent, man. I don't know, I don't know who's happier, Titans fans or Mel Kuyper? Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, anyone, and I, I'm someone who did not believe in Will Levis coming into the draft. Anyone I, who did, I'm sure they're taking a same. victory lap today. No, and, me and, and for good reason. It, it is one game. But for one game, to me, that was the Will Levis highlight tape of everything that he did right at Kentucky. There was plenty of bad at Kentucky also that we did not see in that game, but that was all of the positive. That was cream rising to the top. That was the arm talent. That was effortless throwing motion deep down the field and dropping it in a bucket at times. Total command of the offense. Even the running attack at times looked better with Will Levis Operations. getting quickly yeah. to yeah. Derrick Henry, handing the ball off. Terrific debut for Will Levis. And in a season that's been very disappointing for Titans fans, they got something to look forward to now. And that's the development of Will Levis to see if this thing is for real. They get another opportunity in a short week against Mitch Trubisky and this Pittsburgh team and not Kenny Pickett. Um, to the betas, is history repeating itself 365 days later, Chad? This is normally where we see North Carolina not just go down a hill but fall off a cliff. And they've done that now. They're doing it again where, I mean, Georgia Tech, UNC, uh, a game that combined for over 1,200 yards of total offense. But Carolina uh, loses to Georgia Tech after falling the week prior. And here's Carolina among the unbeatens and now among the afterthoughts of the ACC. Hutton, they went from college football playoff dark horse two weeks ago and then a home loss to a Virginia team that had one win all season. I think that was against an FCS opponent, by the way. And they lose to them at home. Then they go on the road and lose to a pretty bad Georgia Tech team. Not, a, not, a, not the 1990 national champion Georgia Tech rambling wreck. This team is not. They go from dark horse college football playoff team to uh, is the Meineke Car Care Bowl still around? Uh, something like that. Is South Carolina available to play in a bowl? Yeah, are they going to go get uh, Dalston Mayo again, someone, the winner of that game? Uh, South Carolina's got a, four more wins to go before they get bowl eligible. But they suddenly go from a team that could really disrupt the college football landscape to a middling bowl game played the week of Christmas somewhere. Crazy and a Heisman, how quickly they've fallen. But I guess it's not that crazy, too. considering that it's the same thing that happened to them a year ago. Yeah. Chad, uh, also... Uh, we're seeing this a lot now. College coaches blaming players instead of just saying, hey, it's on me. And then pray, heaping praise when it's necessary. 
and taking the blame, we're seeing more and more of the example of the opposite, which is odd given the position of that job and the focus that you have to keep that locker room on. I think it's such a fine line now of being disciplined within your program and knowing that you're the boss as the head coach and making sure your players know that and telling them what they need to hear. And sometimes what players need to hear is not what they want to hear. But there's a fine line between being able to do that on the practice field, during a game on the sideline, in the locker room, and not taking it public, especially in an NIL era where they're going to go get opportunities elsewhere, and it's never been easier to transfer and play somewhere right away. Pat Narduzzi is the prime example of this. And I know that the beat reporter that put this tweet out, didn't really, or the quote out didn't really help him that much by not putting the rest of it. But the bottom line is Pat Narduzzi did say, we had a good team last year. I thought we were going to replace those good players. We really didn't. Apparently we didn't. And then you had his own players reposting that on X and saying things to him that forced Pat Narduzzi to come back and have to clarify saying it's completely on me, 100% on me, coach has got to do a better job, yada, yada, yada. Not a good look. Deion Sanders saying got to replace the offensive line. While true, not a great look. Mike Loxley, we're great at calling plays. Receivers got to catch the football and not fall down. Not a great look. Be careful. These are all honest reactions, and we like honesty, but you got to be careful in this era of NIL when you're talking bad about players to the media. Yeah, you got to do more. Uh, you got to be careful about what you're locking up at the Rose Bowl, too, uh, where uh, beta of the weekend, whoever is stealing jewelry and other things from the players' locker room for Colorado in their game against UCLA. Uh, this happened, Dion's debut as a coach at Jackson State, he had things, his things robbed. stolen that they they recovered post-game. Uh, in this case, you've got police looking into whoever was at the stadium and went into the locker room and stole a lot of stuff from the players and what's been uh, a rising you know what I think crime rate in Pasadena. Inside job. Really? There's no way that a security guard is not standing just right there, one of them, at the entrance to the visitor's locker room. I think it was an inside job. Shame on you, UCLA. College football overreaction. Straight ahead. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Coming up, college football overreaction. Davey Hudson brings us some scenarios or comments, and we jump in with a little uh, concerning vibe, or maybe uh, we're not willing to, uh, to fold just yet on some of these. In an effort to give you my God's honest, knee-jerk reaction to these, haven't even glanced at them today. I've haven't even one. looked at it. Did I do it for that reason, or is it just because I didn't want to read them? Th- that's, the, that's the question for you and the audience to decide. Could be either way. Chad, uh, the police in Nottingham are, are investigating the death of the former uh, NHL player, uh, Adam Johnson, who died, his throat was cut by an opponent's skate. And 
initially it was just ruled by the team a freak accident. And now they're investigating to see if uh, with the Elite Ice Hockey League, um, and they've been on the scene investigating if this was intentional. And just reading some of the comments underneath some of the stories yesterday, um, those, there are those who are claiming they've seen the video of it, and I certainly wouldn't want to. But in reading comments, they're like, it looks like something you would want to investigate. I can't. I'm not going to watch it. And, man, horrific is all I'm thinking of what that and, – and I'm also thinking, and we talked with Dr. Chow about this too, about it. It wouldn't necessarily happen with a player laying on the ice as much as it would be another player upended. But if I'm a, I don't know how more hockey players aren't wearing the uh, protection around those, the, the artery, right? Yeah. Uh, and there, he mentioned like goaltenders wearing that on there and for the puck. But a lot of times goaltenders are trying to reduce the amount of protection they have to be faster, you know, more mobile. Uh, in the crease, not uh, padded up to the point where they can't move. And I think a lot of times players feel that way. Uh, this is where I think players would, I think more players would be open to the idea of wearing the, the protection around the throat. I would be. I mean, it, look, I'm not going to look at the video. I know it's out there, but all it would take is one glance at that video, and I feel like anyone playing hockey would be crazy not to want to do this, to put the turtleneck on that Dr. Chow right, talked about. Yeah. Uh, that would be protection against this. Just on the off chance that something like this happens. But, I mean, we – and, look, I get, you know, it's a, it's a different level of speed and everything else. But, I mean, kids play hockey all over the world, right? And this is such a rare thing to happen. Uh, it's not like you see this injury a lot and, and this happening, which is kind of crazy to me when you think about not somebody, you know, trying to kill someone by putting their skate in the air and karate kicking them, with a skate in the right. carotid artery. I'm not talking about that happening. I'm talking about guys on the ice and someone just skating away even and accidentally glancing someone that's on the ice, right? Or anything like that happening. You don't see it uh, very often at all, which is good. But, I mean, one time is enough, and this is just a crazy story. Yeah, the police investigating to see if uh, the, uh, the other player could face uh, manslaughter charges. But more on that for sure uh, coming from... Uh, uh, from Nottingham with the Nottingham Panthers and uh, Sheffield Steelers on Saturday. Uh, college football overreaction. Is it uh, just a realistic concern that Davey's bringing to us, or is this truly clickbait? Chad and I try to decide right now. Guys, we're going to start with what is the biggest story in all of college football. My first statement, Jim Harbaugh will not make it through the season as Michigan's head coach. He's going to make it through the season. He's not going to be back. I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that now. And that may sound crazy to some Michigan fans out there, some in the chat right now, saying, oh, what's the big deal? He sent some low-level staffer to games to watch opponents. Nothing to see here. Um, I don't think it's trending in that direction. I think it's trending in a very bad direction. Even Bobby Carpenter from a week ago to now changed his tune a lot on what he's hearing from other Big Ten coaches. Big Ten coaches yeah. don't even want to play Michigan based on what they've heard and what they know about what Jim Harbaugh was up to the rest of the way. So, look, I, I don't think they're going to fire him in season. So that part's an overreaction. But, Davey, I don't think he's going to be back in 2024. I, Chad, I'm with you. I think it's an overreaction to say he's fired in season. We, we should also mention they're, they're going to be in the mix for a title. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, and we should also mention the Wall Street Journal report that they rescinded oh, right. the contract extension right. from him. And in that report, keep in mind with this how the original news came out that he was staying at Michigan and not taking, correct me if I'm wrong, this was not, this has happened a couple of times, the Denver job. It wasn't through the athletic director. It was through Santa Ono, Michigan's president, who tweeted that Harbaugh was returning and he was going to be the, 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 the head coach. And Chad, the athletic department was aware through that statement from Santa Ono on social media. Right. This is, if the, if the report's accurate that the offer's been rescinded, this would be all the way up to the president level because that's Harbaugh's this guy, right? Like, I, there's more to it. I think Davey's on to something that's not yet, an, not yet, like, cause for concern. Like, it's legitimate, but I think it could be. And it's, it, it's only going to happen when the two sides decide to part ways. And then the NFL report too about no safe Harbor here, serve out the suspension or there's an additional thing slapped on because you don't meet the requirements of eligibility. That's coming from that report from Pelissero and Rappaport. Since we have enough time, I'll just bring it up and kind of as a follow-up, I, I asked this question because we know that the NCAA has been on campus and they are by no means an organization that is used to moving swiftly. But I'm just thinking with all the pressure that is now on them all Chad, the coaches and organizations you mentioned, it's just like, we don't even want to play them. Could you see them going ahead and actually being quick in their assessment for once and no. they step in and say something like, we're not going to let you coach out the rest of this year? But there's, there's I, the appeals process so. with that too. Yeah, and I think that all you could do, if, if you're Michigan, all you do is appeal and then just keep coaching and keep playing out the season and let yeah. them come back and do something later. Let's, uh, here, Hutton, you were onto something when you hinted at this. To your question, Davey, I think it's the Big Ten. If Bobby's right and all these rumors are correct about how irate every coach in the Big Ten is, 13 of the 14 schools have been scouted illegally. There's one that hasn't been that's not on their schedule, but 13 of the 14. If they're that angry that they're going to the league office saying, I don't even want to play these dudes the rest of the way, it would be the Big Ten that comes in and says, you're not eligible for a Big Ten title and you can't play in the Big Ten championship game. And then that could derail their college football playoff hopes, if that were the case. It just comes down to this. What else is out there, or what else gets out there that we don't know that those behind the scenes know? Yeah. Why did Michigan self-impose the three-game suspension to begin the season if this were going on, and the FBI had been on campus for months, according to the report we got last week, about something else in regards to the former OC? Just, again... There's a lot that's been going on within the athletic department, the football program, and they immediately sent and had uh, Connor Stallions on paid leave and pending the investigation. What else are they going to find or have they found? I think there are more layers to it. Good stuff, guys. Moving on, shifting from a school that's in the college football playoff discussion to one that we've typically see in that discussion, but they've not been this year. Clemson will not finish the season with a winning record. That is the proper reaction, not an overreaction at all. Clemson's remaining schedule. Notre Dame at Clemson this week. Yeah. I think they're going to lose that one. They play Georgia Tech at home. Likely a win, I would say, for Clemson in that game. Georgia Tech doesn't lose on even weeks. Well, that's an interesting one. Um, North Carolina okay. at home against Clemson, so maybe they lose to Georgia Tech too. 
toss-up game, I'd say. Then at South Carolina, I think another toss-up game. So even if they go 2-2 two and two down the stretch, which is not going to be easy, I think they lose the bowl game. That would get them 6-6. Six and six. Then I think they're going to go to a bowl and lose with a disinterested team that's accustomed to either playing in a New Year's Six game or for a national championship. And going to whatever low-level bowl game they go with six wins, not going to be interesting to them. Guys are going to opt out, and they're going to end with a losing record. Or they just lose three of their last four, and they end with a losing record that way. One way or the other, Hutton, they're not going to have a winning record at the end of the year. I think this is a losing record for Clemson this year, which is crazy to think about with all the success of Dabo. Yeah, and I mean it's been 12 straight years of double-digit wins since the last time they, they went uh, – what, four losses in the ACC. They finished 6-7 and seven that year. And it's not getting better the rest of the no, way. No, no, the crossroads. Uh, not an overreaction, baby. And okay. it's uh, comments made by Dabo on the coach's show, how he's responding to fans, um, more or less saying, it, you know, you've had it so good it can get worse. It, it is. And I think he, and a lot of people are realizing they don't have the horses that they used to to get it back on the path of um, positivity. There's going to be some more negativity and um, a, a, a very poor outlook at the end of the year. Dabo not embracing the transfer portal is what's leading to the death of the Clemson dynasty, and it might eventually cost him his job. But next up, guys, uh, Texas will win the Big 12 championship. Yes. Yes. I've got them. I've got a, I'm backing them because I, I thought it was going to be a rematch against Oklahoma. Um, Chad, even if the injuries at quarterback, um, play a Murphy looked pretty good too. Exactly. Against BYU. Exactly. And there, you know, you had hesitation that we were going to see Arch Manning next year because of Malik Murphy. Yeah. I say, um, I say yes, Texas is winning the big 12 championship. Yeah. I, I'm going to say yes too, based on who's at the top right now. Uh, Bedlam this weekend, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma Oklahoma State's been red hot. Mm -hmm. They've got one loss in conference. But just looking at everyone else around that one loss mark, Kansas State, Iowa State's been a big surprise after starting slow this year. Texas is far and away the most talented of those teams. So tie goes to talent. Give me the Longhorns. They're one of the Big 12. Okay, guys, sticking with the Big 12 and a team that will remain in the Big 12, Lance Leipold looks to bolt from Kansas after this season. I think yes, and I think it's in a scenario that I discussed earlier with Michigan. I don't know that he for sure leaves for Michigan State. It's been reported that Michigan State's got him tops on their list also. Maybe he does just to get into the Big Ten. Um, I'd like to see what he could accomplish long-term at Kansas and see if he can sustain what they've done already. But, guys, I think he's gone after this season. I do too, but – I, I think he, same exact age as Jim Harbaugh. Not an overreaction. Why would you leave for Michigan State? Just because of the conference. The I, Big Ten is still richer than the Big Twelve. There's a little I, bit no, more stability. No, I agree there. with that. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot that can happen. Domino. But I, I'm but, with you. I, I don't want to step into that Michigan State situation right now. Yeah, with I mean, what he's already done at Kansas. What we know, or Michigan's a different story. Yes. What about Iowa? Iowa. Let me, let me just tie in Kirk Ferentz. Iowa's a, that, that, that would be a different offense, that's for sure. Let me just tie in Kirk Ferentz and, and what, again, uh, Brian Ferentz has been announced that he's not returning as the offensive coordinator next year, but he's going to coach through the bowl game, which is just bizarre 
if the offense is this bad, and it is this bad, we, everyone knows, and they knew it last offseason when they gave him the 25-point average. Why, why is he coaching through the rest of the year? Anyone can average what they're doing. Yeah. You know, anyone can set the lowest over under in Vegas history opening line, uh, not just Iowa. Uh, and how much, uh, if I'm a coach, Chad, and I'm in the position at Kansas that he's in, how much do you have to look at what has happened to Matt Campbell at Iowa State and think about the opportunities elsewhere versus staying and the, what has surrounded college football in that, in that time frame? of where we're headed versus where they were when Campbell had the chance to jump. Like, Michigan State makes sense for Matt Campbell, for instance, based on opportunities he's turned down to stay. I, I don't hear his name nearly as much as we used to. No, but they're tied for first in the Big 12 right now, shockingly enough, at, at Iowa State. No, I, I think there is a lot of wisdom in striking while you can. If, you, if you're considering a move and think you're going to eventually do it, it's probably a good idea to do it at a lower level power five job. Um, but I still think it's got to be the right job. I don't just think you go to any other, you know, if, if it's big 10 or S I don't think it's any big 10 or sec job. May but I? to me, Michigan is the one Texas A&M. Yeah. You go to Texas A&M. He's making 5 million right now. I think Texas A&M would go to Mike Elko. Okay. Before him. But, I, I do, that, it, but I'm saying level wise. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Coming up, college football playoff selection. Uh, We'll get the first rankings tomorrow to find out where the committee's going. Find out where Chad and I have the top teams in America next.